Delighted now that Dr. Alex George has joined us again on Weekend Breakfast. The last time, um, Alex, we were shouting, I think, quite a bit to hear one another because we were at Wellfest in Dublin and it was a pleasure to meet you then. And we got a massive reaction to you on the show that day. Oh, thank you. The music was pumping, but it was a great, I tell you what, the atmosphere was amazing. That honestly was one of the best days in a long time for me. I really, I, do you know what? I think I enjoyed that more than almost any other festival. And I've been to Glastonbury, I've been to a few different places and I thought the energy was fantastic. You know, people, a lot of festivals you go, people are maybe drinking or whatever, but there it was very much about well-being, your own health. People were high on life, uh, which was a, which is a pleasant change to some festivals. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and actually I left it kind of going, after our talk, I thought a lot about what you said, but I also left it, the festival going, I think I just need to make a few tweaks and I'll feel better in general. Like you left kind of inspired, I think, definitely. Oh yeah. Well, I, I, I felt so myself, to be honest. I, I think, um, you know, it was what, I don't know, that festival, I think it brought together like-minded people who cared about something that was, that was, I think, really, really important. And then we're realizing more and more, you know, our own well-being, what we do to look after ourselves and the people around us, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of been something that people have focused a lot more since the pandemic which is which is great but i think we've kind of realized the you know how much damage the pandemic's actually done on people's mental health and particularly young people um and so you know we realize more than ever that actually you can't just sit sit there and just hope that things get better you've got to take ownership you know whether that's actually you know making changes to look after yourself or actually whether that's about getting help you know you've yeah. got to you've got to be aware self-aware of what how you are you know what place you're in mentally and physically and, and do something about it really Definitely. So um, a better day. This is absolutely brilliant. I know you said yourself that it's a toolkit that you wish you had when you were a child Mm -hmm. as well. It is aimed at 10 pluses. I have to say it's perfect timing because I my daughter is 11. And in the last year, we've had challenges with not her behavior, but growing up and accepting what's happening around her and all those lessons that come along with that. So I think it's perfect timing. So thank you on a personal note for that. Um, Will you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, so I mean, A Better Day was quite literally the book that I wish I had when I was that age, you know, and I I think, you know, we say 10 plus, I think a good reader, 8 plus or uh, uh, an 8 plus with a parental help would certainly be able to read this book. And and to be honest, I think adults should read it as well. If you've got a young person in your life, you you need to know what they're going through. The world's changed. Look, I don't don't think I'm an old person at 31, but I certainly think that the world has vastly changed. I mean, when I I didn't have social media to deal with when I was 10, 11 years old, you know, and I go around the country speaking to young people. And what I hear is quite frankly, frightening. The stuff about body image, boys and girls wanting to change their own bodies, have operations. They think they should look a certain way. And they're being basically conned by what they're seeing on social media and you know it it, it, I think we have to recognize what's going on realize that the pressures have changed for young people and do something about it and this book is supposed to be a positive handbook for someone who is in a good place an in-between place or a bad place you know wherever you are you can build and I love the front cover we've got arrows and me sat on the arrows and the the arrows are a different length and different point and and the the idea is that you know we, we can be starting from a different place but the direction is the same and I think that's that's what is important and, and I, I feel proud I, I, I say that I say this and, and I mean it because I have put everything into this book I think it is essential I think every child should read this book and I'm certain every child will take something away that would help them and you know at the end of the day you know uh, a couple of years ago I lost my brother and had a phone call to say that he died by suicide you know I, I don't know if it has saved him I don't know if that would have changed and made him be able to ask for help but if there's a chance this book can help 
stop you as a family member or a brother, sister or parent from like ever experiencing that phone call, then damn, it's worth it. You know, for, for the cost of a London or uh, a Dublin pint, <laughs> yeah, um, you could buy this book for your for your loved one. Absolutely. And I think like because you've set it up like a toolkit, like a guide and you've recognized that, you know, it doesn't it's not people coming from a very bad place that always need help. It could be people that seem like they're coasting or, you know, are having one stumbling block, but need the tools to get over that one stumbling block. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, look, we don't know, um, you know, we can be in a good place, right? And you don't know when the bad day can come, you know, and I, yeah. you know, I've got a, I've got a new tattoo. We're talking about this. Uh, it says, I think we're talking about the festival. I've got a new tattoo and it says this too shall pass. And it's probably one of my favorites because good times don't last forever, but we do bad times. But it's what we do that defines those moments, I think. And the, what we do in the difficult times defines how we cope. Um, and, you know, whether that be recognizing early that you're struggling, whether that be putting interventions in day to day uh, life, whether that's actually getting help. I think those are the things that matter. And people go, oh, yes, you know, self-care, it's all wishy-washy. But actually, let's be frank about this. You know, we lose three or four people every single day um, to suicide across Ireland and the United Kingdom. So it, it, it is terrifying. And those, and when people think, oh, that's three to four deaths, oh, you know, that's horrendous. Is it that bad? Well, actually, you know, every person that loses their life to suicide creates a ripple effect around them, uh, affects hundreds of people's lives. You know, my life has changed forever since Cleo yeah. passed away. It has it has changed my life and in many ways ruined parts of my life forever. And and that you know that that you cannot underestimate that. So, you know, suicide. Let's be frank; it's a preventable cause of death. It's something that shouldn't happen. And so, you know, if we can do something at the sharp end of it that happening, that's important. But the other point is as well, and you know, this is a really when you read this book, it really is a positive book. There's lots of humor. There's a lot of anecdotes. There's a lot of my experiences in life. It's life isn't just about surviving; it's about living. Yeah. And that's what I believe this book helps. I've got heads up. Um, sections in different around different topics, whether that be how to get better sleep, how to exercise, how to deal with relationships, heads up sections to, to kind of give those kind of tools, day-to-day -day active tools that they can do. And also lifelines where they think, you know, okay, this is a difficult thing. This is what you could do if you find this topic hard. And, and so I think that combination of light and dark, humor and serious, I think makes this book, um, yeah, it makes it a really balanced book, I believe. And Alex, like, you know, you joke about you being old. You're not. I can tell you uh, I'm older <laughs> than you. Um, but that, you know, in, in Canada, thankfully, I do think we we kind of got a handle on talking about mental health a little bit earlier um, mm. than certainly over in Ireland. That's OK to say people have agreed with me on that. But I think that, like, you know, we we're just expected you have a child, you know, get on with day to day life. It's busy, busy, busy. And there was never a concept of checking in, for example, mm -hmm. with parenting. Is that that's something I feel strongly that we can do as parents just on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. I know you've talked about that before as well. Well, I think one of the things I can say, and I've, I've mentioned this, not just in this book, but uh, uh, I talk about this a lot when I go around schools and I speak to parents and universities um, to try different techniques of checking in. One of the best ones I can advise, and I challenge any, any of the listeners to give this a go, uh, it's called the traffic light technique. So what you do, so it's actually developed from, from hospitals and so nurses, nursing staff in intensive care. So they do handovers in the morning and the evening. And what, they, what they've started doing in some of the hospitals is going, right, the nurse to say right everyone around the room i want you to go around and say well you're red amber or green you know what do you feel red amber or green good in between or you know i feel really bad and so they go around the room what that allows you to identify is the nurses that are doing well and that are, that are feeling good 
the nurses that are kind of on the edge and not feeling great and the ones that are like downright struggling. And that's a really important thing. And now you can adapt that and it has been adapted fantastically, I think, to a technique in the home. So if you've got, so let's say nuclear family, you know, mum and dad, a couple of kids are on the table, just at lunchtime, sorry, at dinner time or breakfast, doesn't matter which, um, you sit down and go around the room and do the same thing. But the addition I would say is when you go around the room, say why you feel that way. So if, so if, so if, um, if Billy says, I feel green, why do you feel green today, Billy? Well, because I played with my friends, I did some sports, um, I really enjoyed subject in class today, I've got to hang out with you know the people that I like. So you're getting them to think about when they feel good, why? And when they feel bad, why? Yeah. And also it allows you to identify children. So if, if your child is red three days in a row, that alerts the rest of the family to wrap around that child. The other fantastic, fantastic thing it does is it helps us battle this issue of men not talking. We have ingrained in men, and islands very similar to parts of um, uh, Wales and also parts of England, England, where there's a very stoic attitude to men oh I'm tough I'm fine and the reason it's like that it's not men's fault we have society as society have built men to be tough hard and not to speak big boys don't cry come on get up man up don't cry you know it, there's all these different things that we've told them and conditioned them so they don't speak what this does is gets men talking around a table and it breaks this generational gap as well so the young boys go well dad's talking about his day at work. So I feel amber today. I don't feel, you know, it's all right. But on the weekend, I'm looking forward to going, you know, going camping or whatever. You're, you're making it normal to talk. And if you can make it normal to talk in the good times, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to talk when things are bad, you know. And I think that, and I, and I challenge anyone, give it a try for two weeks and yeah. notice the difference. Two weeks in, I guarantee the conversation is easier, it's more comfortable, it's more quick, and you will be more in tune with each other. And it'll bring you closer as a family as well. And what does it take? three or four minutes, five Absolutely. minutes, does it take yeah. five minutes? And I tell you what, that is a very five minutes, very valuable five minutes a day that you'll spend. But Alex, it's interesting because I, you know, when I was having my daughter, she's 11 now, I, I only wanted a girl and I can admit that maybe that's not nice to say, but I think it's because I have a twin and my parents both only had sisters. So all my uncles were like, you know, married into the family. So it was very female centric. But I also think when she's getting older, I'm kind of like, you know, I feel better equipped to deal with issues that might face her mental health. Mm. I think I'd feel out of my depth if I had a son for the reason that, you know, not necessarily the reason I'm not a boy, but for the reason that that's so uncharted territory and it needs to massively improve. And I know that's been one of your biggest campaigns is for young men, young boys, their dads, their male role models, carers, whoever it is to talk and not yeah. to get rid of that stigma that that's a sign of weakness. Yeah, well, I mean, look, and I hate to come back to this again and again, but men are 10 times more likely to take their own life than women. And the only reason, the only reason that is the case is because of how we make men as a society. That is why you know, that has happened. If we can change, we can change the conversation. If we can improve, it'll make a huge difference. You know, in a recent survey, a very big survey of men in the UK, they found that, you know, over, over 50% of men, if they were really at the point of, you know, really struggling, they still wouldn't ask for help. And that's now, that's, you know, that's 2022. So, you know, we still got a long way to go, you know, and to be honest with you, it's the half that don't ask for help that we worry about. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? So that's the self-selecting group that, that we that we worry about. And the only way we change that is we educate. And that's why a better day is so important. That's why it's so key, is because this book will give young boys, young girls, uh, however actually identify it will give you the tools to be able to um, put words to the feelings that you have and it'll give you the empower you to ask for that help I mean a lot of men and I shared something on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago and it was clips of men saying that they don't mm. think that anyone cares that anyone would listen and it really moved me so much because I think a lot of men is not only putting 
you know, being able to say, not only be able to put the words, but they think that people won't care if they do say so. And again, I think that comes down to conditioning. I don't think that's true. People care about them. But if you're always told, come on, man, don't be silly, get on with it. You're not only conditioned not to speak, you're conditioned to think that people don't want to listen. Yeah. And, and, and also, that's a powerful thing. And also like the, the benefit of empowering, you know, if you've got a group of 10, 12 little boys and the parents of six of them, like it just grows like that, doesn't it? Like, so the, the more accept, yeah, exactly. Can it's I ask you, can I ask you as well, just for the parents listening, and one of the things I think a lot of people struggle with is building that resilience in your child so that they can take the knocks. And I know that's something that um, I'm struggling with with my own daughter, and maybe I shouldn't broadcast that, but you know, like just making that whole idea, it's opposite in a way to what you're, well, not opposite to say toughening up, but just having that inbuilt resilience and confidence. Well, it- I'm so glad you, you bring that up and thank you for sharing. I think every there's no child that goes through life without just this yeah. moment. So I think that's very normal and I think every parent would relate to that. But thank you for sharing. I mean, the, the, the whole point of the book is to do the opposite from wrapping these kids up in cotton wool. You know, I talk about things about bereavement. I talk about grief. I talk about bullying. I talk about the hard, the hard parts and tough parts of life and how to get through them. One of the biggest parts, I, the things I talk about in, in this book is, is learning to celebrate failure. And I don't mean celebrate saying, oh, I like losing, but it's celebrating the power of failure. So you've learned far more from, you know, from your failure than your successes. So when you fail, why did I fail? What went wrong? Let's pick ourselves up and go again. So, it, you know, it's quite the opposite from going, you know, let's wrap up these kids. It's like, no, let's identify the things they face. Let's look at how we overcome them so that when they face challenges, they don't crumble and fall, that they're able to deal with it, move forward. And I think that's the point of trying to change this mindset that, that kind of being aware of your own mental health and your well-being is some kind of fluffy thing. When you change this mindset into actually it's very empowering. You know, if yeah. kids are very self-aware and they have ability and tools to you know, bring in when they need to, when they have those knockbacks, when they find things difficult, then that will only allow them to improve much more quickly. I mean, I once was a very, very sensitive 10, 12, 13, 14 year old, very, very sensitive. And I and I think, well, I know, if I could have had some of these kind of realities shown to me and some of the actual lessons that I put in this book, and I'd have really understood and learned those lessons early, I could have saved myself a lot of time being quite as vulnerable, quite frankly. Yeah. Uh, and vulnerable in a way that things would knock me much harder than they should have done. And now I've learned through life, I've learned through my own lessons, the things that I actually probably could have been taught uh, a lot sooner. Uh, and so that's the point, really. You know, resilience is important amongst children. Let's build their resilience. It is. And also, just to tag on to that, like, as parents, we often fall into that trap of going, and this is coupling with this, that, you know, we can solve it. But that's not really helping sometimes is it like sometimes we have to obviously and we do but sometimes and i'm guilty of not maybe leaving her enough space to kind of go well what would a solution be here yeah one of the most important things i can say to any parent i say this when i learned this when i was making the bbc documentary our young mental health crisis i've learned it traveling around the country visiting schools children young children with eating disorders i can tell you that trying to fix your child or fix your friend or fix you know your student will only make things worse um, and the reason is is that most often fixing is actually us for ourselves feeling better that we're actively doing something rather than it being for their benefit and i don't mean that in a negative way like our intentions are good but for example you know someone with an eating disorder who's struggling with anorexia fixing might look like darling you're beautiful don't be silly you're really thin like you, you just, it's just a phase you'll get through and all you're actually doing when you when we say it out loud like they go gosh yeah that isn't the right thing to say but it's easily said because we want to fix that person but all it does is removes validation from them and even to be honest as a doctor who works in mental health you know for my mum, for example and my brother and my dad we all struggle at times i'm not there to fix them i don't try and fix them i'm there to say look i'm here for you 
you know, let me support you and go and to get the support you help. You know, how is it going with therapy? Are we going to go and see the doctor for, you know, for extra support or to talk? You know, it, 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 what you want to be as a parent is the holding hand. And when it comes to solutions, I think the solution should always come from the child. So basically, almost as a parent, you're, 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 you know, what you want to be is a friend in that moment and give the, give the kind of options, if you like, be like, look, all right, why don't we speak to someone that might understand this, whether it's speaking to Young Minds or a similar charity? Why don't we speak to the doctor, go to the GP? Have you thought about this? Have we tried, you know, if the phone's upsetting, do you think maybe we should kind of come off for a little while and have a break and let's go and do some other things? But always leaving the choice at their door, you know, okay. and that allows you to keep the communication open, allows you to keep that level of like com conversation because the last thing you want is for them to shut off. That's and the thing. If they feel empowered, then they will make, if they feel empowered, they know it's a safe space they will include, and I think they'll much more likely kind of reach out and get take that hand, you know? That's the thing, you always want that communication, especially when they're 10, 11, 12, you want that communication to continue right through. Um, it's incredible, you put so much into it actually. And because it is that kind of a book that you, you know, parents can pick up, leave close to hand and help them kind of deal through things. You've, I don't know, like, do you sleep? Because you've done the book now, you're obviously <laughs> the youth mental health ambassador you've got stomp cast you're just you know you're constantly on the go so are you minding yourself <laughs> yeah well i'm very lucky i must say to have a, a really good team to help and i am actually I, what i've become over the years not because i naturally am um particularly organized but my life has become very organized to create space um you know so i'm just able to kind of um you know kind of work in kind of compact, um, speedy uh, <laughs> ways that, that, that really help. But yeah, I mean, I'm going back to university um, as of this week, actually, uh, wow. which is really exciting to do a public mental health master's. So that's really exciting. But uh, again, it is something else that I'm focusing on. But listen, I, I really enjoy it. And um, I'm quite self-aware. So I know when I'm kind of feeling like I need a week, like I had a week off the, the week because I felt, you know, what, I just need to go back to Wales and chill. So I'm very I'm very aware of when I'm feeling a bit, you know, run down or yeah. I need a break. And I think that I would say to anyone, if you kind of hear those warning signs, you know, it's a great saying, um, uh, either rest when you when you think you need a rest or your body. No, so what, what was the saying? I think it's um, remember to take a, a rest. Otherwise, your body will decide to take a rest for you. <laughs> and it's yeah. that idea of like. It's true. It's hard to down, learn. You know? uh, but just be in, you know, be in tune. But again, you know, like it, it comes down to like you know self-care is important and investing in yourself is important because if you want to get the most out of life like i want to achieve all the things i want to achieve if i don't look after myself i'm not going to achieve them it's no. as simple as that yeah it's a hard lesson to learn and some of us like myself learned it very late in life but anyway dr alex george thank you as thank always you. oh my god so you mentioned you got another tattoo i still only have the two i've got to take inspiration from you you've gotten up there you've gotten up there yeah. thank you so much for your time this morning thank you Thank you.